Welcome to another edition of the McKnight's Long-Term Care News Market Leaders Podcast, where industry experts share their insights to help you and your facility succeed. I'm McKnight's editor, Liza Berger, and I'm here today with Teresa Watts, an infection control nurse with Alta Skilled Nursing and Rehabilitation and an assistant professor at Orvis School of Nursing at the University of Nevada. We'll be discussing tuberculosis and the very real threat it poses to nursing home residents. Many long-term care providers are still under-testing for TB, so we're going to explore some key strategies for screening and reducing the risk of active TB in your community. Teresa, welcome. Thank you. Let's start off with some basics. What is tuberculosis? Yes, thank you for that question, and thank you for allowing me to speak on this topic today. Tuberculosis, also referred to as TB, is caused by a bacteria called Mycobacterium tuberculosis. Therefore, TB is a bacterial infection. Often when the bacteria enters our bodies, it usually affects an individual's lungs. And the reason for this is because the TB bacteria spreads in the air from one person to another. So to give you an example of how it spreads, a person who is living with TB and is in, a, as in, is in a contagious state might cough, sneeze, speak, or really just breathe, and the TB bacteria particles will leave the body. Then a person who is nearby would breathe in these particles and become infected. Once the person breathes in the TB bacteria, the TB bacteria actually settles into the small air sacs of the lungs and begins to grow. However, it's important to note that this growth process is very slow. The TB bacteria has a slow growth rate. And as a result of this slow growth rate, there are two commonly known TB diseases here in the US. The first is called latent TB, also known as LTBI. When someone has LTBI, this is a time when the TB bacteria lives in the body without making you sick. People living with LTBI don't really have symptoms And it's really important to note that people living with LTBI are not contagious. An indication of having LTBI would be through a positive TB test. And if someone gets diagnosed with LTBI through that positive test, they can be eligible for treatment. But the purpose of this treatment is to prevent the individual from getting the second commonly known TB disease, which is often referred to an active infection. During an active infection, someone usually has symptoms. These symptoms could include a bad cough that lasts several weeks, coughing up blood or sputum, weakness or fatigue, weight loss along with no appetite, and a very common symptom is uh, night sweats or sweating at night. Someone with an active TB infection would usually have a positive TB test, chest x-ray, or sputum culture. And once someone is diagnosed with an active TB infection, the person is eligible for treatment. And the purpose of this treatment is to prevent the dire consequences of TB, which could be mortality or death. According to the CDC, approximately 500 people die from TB each year. And finally, you mentioned that we don't hear a lot about TB in the U.S., and I would somewhat agree with that. I think before the pandemic existed, we really didn't hear much about infectious diseases in general. And this is kind of shocking because they were always there and always spreading. And I do want to share that according to the CDC, in the U.S., it is estimated that up to 13 million people are living with the LTBI or that latent TB infection. 
However, it's important to note that there has been substantial progress towards eliminating TB in the United States. For example, during the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic, reported TB diagnoses decreased by 20%. However, during this same year, approximately 2% of those who were diagnosed with TB and were between or above the age of 15 years and older were among residents who were living in long-term care settings. So that's basically an overview of what TB is. That is really helpful. How prevalent is TB in long-term care facilities? When we talk and think about TB, we often know that there are certain groups who are at an increased risk for TB. People living in congregate settings, including correctional facilities, detention centers, and long-term care facilities, oh, and along with homeless shelters, are at an increased risk of becoming infected with TB due to shared air spaces. And this risk factor really has to do again with how TB spreads, which is through the air. Whenever you have people living in shared living spaces, it puts them at risk for any infectious diseases. Long-term care facilities, along with these other congregate settings, will always have a risk for spread of airborne infectious diseases, which really points to the necessary need for infection prevention and control programs that focus on prevention. The goal is to not have an airborne infectious disease enter the facility because once it enters, it can be hard to prevent that spread. Now, I know I already mentioned the 2020 prevalence of TB among residents who are living in long-term care settings as approximately 2% of the overall cases reported. And for some folks listening, you might say that 2% feels low, but 2% represents 119 people. According to the CDC, in 2020, 119 people who were residents living in a long-term care setting were diagnosed with TB. And the importance of this is that people who are living in long-term care settings might be immunocompromised, older age, and be living with multiple comorbidities, which puts them at high risk for the diet consequences if they develop an active TB infection. Therefore, regarding the prevalence, which is the question you asked, even though the number might feel low at 2% of overall cases diagnosed, really any number of TB cases within a long-term care facility is too much. So what are the risks associated with active TB exposure events within a long-term care facility? So when an individual has an active TB infection, they can spread TB to those around them when they cough, sneeze, speak, or really breathe. The exposure risk to those around this individual increases every day that the person goes undiagnosed and untreated. Therefore, it's important to recognize the symptoms and address them instantly through either TB tests, chest x-rays, or sputum cultures to diagnose the individual. Early recognition and response are going to be the quickest ways to prevent the spread of TB when someone is living with an active infection and living, working, or visiting a long-term care facility. Then once the person has been diagnosed, you need to perform contact tracing, which should include tracing uh, among multiple different people, multiple TB tests, and LTBI treatment for those who got exposed and diagnosed with LTBI. As I said, the contact tracing should involve tracing uh, multiple T people, and this tracing should really include tracing among staff, residents, and visitors. You really have to consider everyone who has been in contact with a positive individual during this contagious period as a contact. I think it's pretty obvious, but 
TB within long-term care facilities can be costly and time-consuming if it does occur. So are there guidelines that indicate who to test for TB and when to do it? Yes, absolutely. There are multiple places that you can look for guidelines. Three great options include the U.S. Prevention Service Task Force, the CDC, and your local and state health departments. All of these agencies will have similar guidelines on who to test, when to do it, and how frequent should you do it. Additionally, if you ever have questions about testing or really anything related to TB, I highly recommend you call your late local or state public health agency's TB program. I recently made a call to my local public health agency's TB program, and I had a very specific question answered, along with I learned all the great resources surrounding TB that are provided in my local area. So if you ever have questions, please reach out to these local or state public health agencies as they will be some of your best support. Finally, I'd also like to share that on May 17, 2019, the CDC and the National Tuberculosis Controllers Association released updated recommendations on the frequency of TB screening, testing, and treatment for healthcare personnel. They basically came up with these new updated recommendations through a systematic review, along with expert consultation. They have new recommendations that um, really affect testing and then follow-up testing done often annually. So initial testing starts at baseline, which should start at higher of the person or a mission if the person is a resident. At baseline, the person should get a, a TB test and a symptom evaluation along with a risk assessment evaluation. This means that a form is complete with symptom screening and risk factor assessment along with a TB test. And that is given at baseline, which is upon hire if the person's staff or admission if the person is a resident. Then there's this new change around the yearly testing recommendation. Essentially, the work group concluded that yearly testing recommendation is based on risk setting of the facility, occupational status of the individual, and whether TB transmission has occurred within the county or nearby area or even within the facility. The decision on yearly testing in your facility could be made in consultation with your local and state health department. However, even if yearly testing doesn't occur, TB education should occur annually. And of course, if someone develops symptoms consistent with TB, you'll want to test them too and test them immediately. Thank you for that. So why test for latent TB, which isn't infectious? Why not reserve testing for symptomatic individuals? We test for TB to diagnose early. The earlier we diagnose, the sooner we can provide an appropriate treatment regimen. When we diagnose someone with LTBI or latent TB, the goal is to prevent the individual from getting an active infection. We need to test all individuals, symptomatic or not, so that we can identify LTBI cases and prevent active infections. The treatment regimen for LDBI infections are also generally shorter and less costly than an active TB infection. What testing options are available for long-term care facilities? That's a great question. There are two kinds of tests used to detect TB. The TB skin test and the TB blood test. A positive TB skin test or TB blood test tells that a person has been infected with TB. It doesn't tell us whether the person has LTBI or active TB. So if you get a positive skin test or TB blood test, 
you need to diagnose active TB through another means such as a chest x-ray or sputum culture. Given that TB skin tests and TB blood tests are the first tests that get performed, it's important to know the pros and cons of each test. The TB skin test requires two provider visits. During the first provider visit, the test is placed under the skin in someone's forearm using a tiny needle. At the second visit, the provider reads the test. And these two visits must be within 48 to 72 hours apart from each other. TB blood tests are also called interferon gamma release assays or IGRAs. There are two TB blood tests approved by the FDA called Quantiferum Gold Plus and T-Spot. For these tests, a provider draws patient blood and sends this blood to the lab for analysis. TB blood tests are preferred for people who have received the TB vaccine or those who have a difficult time returning for a second appointment within 48 to 72 hours after a TB skin test was placed. Now, I know this was my first time mentioning a TB vaccine, so I quickly want to say that yes, there is a vaccine available for TB. And many people born outside the US have been given this vaccine called BCG. This vaccine is not widely used in the US, and in the US, BCG vaccine is only really considered for people who meet specific criteria and often with consultation with a TB expert. Healthcare providers can consult with their state or local TB programs for questions about BCG vaccine for their patients. Teresa, this was such great information. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your insights and time with us. Thank you all for listening to this edition of the McKnight's Long-Term Care News Market Leaders Podcast. Please come back again soon and check out other podcasts at mcknights.com or on your favorite podcast platform. 